Welcome listeners to another episode of Listen, Learn and Love hosted by Richard Osler. I'm joining me on today's podcast is an LDS author, my friend JC Whiteman. Welcome to the podcast, JC. Richard, it is always a pleasure. I love coming and talking to you. JC um, was on episode 572, which was recorded roughly a year ago. On that episode, she talked about her book, Aren't You Tired? It's a terrific (laughs) book, and we're going to talk about her new book. This is her fourth book, and this book is titled Ignited. And um, I'll read just a note. Life can be hard. Often it can leave us feeling numb, empty, restless, like our inner fame has been blown out, and we don't know if we can ever, if it can ever be relit. Where do we turn in times like that? What answers does the gospel have to help us rekindle that inner spark? Um, this book is published by Cedar Fort. It is available at Amazon, coming soon at Deseret Book. Um, you can find more about J.C. Whiteman at her website. We'll link to that in the show notes. J.C. J-A-C-I Whiteman, W-I-G-H-T-M-A-N.com. And we'll link to the Amazon link in our show notes so you can check out and buy her book. So listeners, this will be a chance for JC, a married mother of seven living in West Haven, which is a town near Ogden, Utah, to talk about her new book. And uh, my hope is that the things that JC shares, whether you will be helpful to you. I love the way she's framed this book up. And with that, JC, I'll turn it over to you to share about your book. Love it, love it. I I am so grateful that you read that little blurb because if anyone is tuning in right now and saying, do I have the time for this today? Do I want to listen to this lady talk about her book? Like, I don't know. Um, if, if you have ever felt... Um, just dead inside or empty or flatline or just like, I can't get motivated. I can't get back in the game. I, um, I feel like my, my light's just gone out. We've all felt that at times. And so that is what we're talking about today. That is why I'm giving you a reason to listen to this episode. If you are a listener, um, stay with me because we have an answer for that. And that's, it's the message of the book, but I just want to get into scripture a little bit today and talk about that because we've all been there. We've all felt that we may not feel it all the time, but we just have that, that just, I don't know what to call it because we're all different. We frame it different. We just feel kind of dead or apathetic or just, I'm just, I'm done. So if, if that's going through your mind, um, let's dive in and look at the story of Adam and Eve, um, because there's a, a little nugget there that I think we sometimes miss. And we sometimes roll our eyes and we go, I, I know the story of Adam and Eve. I know it backwards and forwards. But let me just point out one little thing when it comes to what happened when they ate the fruit. So we know the story. I mean, I, I'm guessing you do. I hope you do if you're a listener. <laughs> Um, God said to them of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you're not going to don't eat that one. If you do in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. So we teach in the church. Yes, they ate. And that resulted in the fall, right? We teach that a lot, but sometimes I think we miss what actually happened. At least I did. Let me, let me phrase it that way. I did for a lot of years because he just said to them, 
in the day you eat, you will surely die. In the very day you eat that fruit. But we look at it and go, wait a second, they did not fall down dead the day that they ate that fruit. So what happened to them? What did the fall actually, yes, they would eventually die, but he didn't say that in the verse. In Genesis 2, he says, in the day that thou eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. So this has been a, a real topic of study for me over the last probably 10, 15 years. Um, maybe a good way to explain it would be to go to Alma 42. Because I think that's probably one of the clearest places that we learn maybe what God was talking about when he, he warned the couple of that consequence. Alma 42 in verse 9, it's, it's more 6, maybe I'll read 6 through 9. Do you think that would be okay, Richard? That'd be great. Um, it's a little bit more, more verses, but let's, let's just look at this for a second. It says, but behold, it was appointed unto man to die. Therefore, as they were cut off from the tree of life, they should be cut off from the face of the earth. And man became lost forever. Yea, they became fallen man. And now you see by this that our first parents were cut off. That's the second time that phrase has been used. Cut off both temporally and spiritually from the presence of the Lord. Um, and then verse 9, it says, The fall had brought upon all mankind a spiritual death as well as a temporal. So Alma 42 is telling us, there are two different kinds of death that came as a result of the fall. And this applies to all of us because it's not just Adam and Eve. We can listen to their story and go, yeah, that's bad that that happened to them. But we've eaten forbidden fruit too, right? All of us, we know. We don't have to dwell on that, but it's Christ was the only sinless one on this earth. We've all had our turn eating some type of forbidden fruit. And so the fall applies to us. So there's two types of death that come upon all of us because of the fall. The first one is temporal death, which I think we understand a little bit better. It means we're going to die. We can't, no matter how healthy you are, how much you take care of yourself, that's going to happen. The physical death is coming, but it also means aging, illness, weakness, you know, physical injury, um, all kinds of things happen to our bodies because of this temporal death that we don't like. It's not very fun. But we understand temporal death, I think, pretty well. I think the thing that's harder to understand is the spiritual death part of it. I remember sitting in a, I was subbing for a Sunday school class one Sunday, and, and they were like 13-year-olds. And I, I was studying this hardcore back in the day. And I, I said, raise your hand if you think you're spiritually dead. And they all just kind of stared at me. No one raised their hand. Like, no, I'm not spiritually dead. And I, I think we sometimes think, well, yeah, if I do something really, really bad, I could die spiritually. But we forget that, no, this is part of the fall for any sin. This is the result that came upon all of us. There's a quote from Elder Oaks that says, because we're all, we've all sinned. We're all spiritually dead. This is a part of it. So here's the point I'm really excited to get to. <laughs> As we talk about feeling flatline or dead inside or this void inside of us or just out of gas, whatever you, however you want to describe it, let's connect that for a minute and ask ourselves, okay, wait a second. If we're all spiritually dead, that's just part of the fall. That's part of what happened, part of the consequence. What does it feel like to be spiritually dead? I don't think we ask ourselves that question. We talk about it. Yes. 
We are, it's separation from God. We say that a lot in church. Spiritual death means separation from God. Check, there's the Sunday school answer. But we never go and go, okay, but what does it feel like? Like what happens to you when you die spiritually? What do you go through? Like, what do you experience? Because spiritual death is more an internal thing, right? Just from the concept of spiritual, temporal death is more our body. What happens to our body? It it suddenly is mortal and it's going to age and it's going to get old and it's going to die. But the spiritual death, it, it happens inside of us. So I don't think we ever ask the question. So what does that mean? What does that mean for me? What, what does it feel like to be spiritually dead? And what I want to suggest in this episode is that that feeling we've been trying to capture of feeling dead inside or feeling like your flame is blown out or feeling like you just can't get in the game. Like I, I want to suggest that's exactly what it feels like that maybe perhaps we've missed that. That's the root cause of a lot of our suffering. We blame it on the weather, <laughs> my boss, I'm stressed out our finances. And, and we go through a lot of hard stuff. I'm not negating that. But so often we feel that way and then we think, oh, it's because of this and it's because of that. And and we blame our circumstances, but we never walk around going, you know, my spiritual death is really hitting me hard today. Like I'm really feeling my spiritual death today. This is rough. I'm not doing very good today. We can do that about our physical body. I'm feeling my aging. I'm feeling my mortality today. This is hard. But we, I don't think we've connected a spiritual, um, root cause for those feelings. Does that make sense? Yes. I I just, for me, when I started to put this together, all of a sudden I was like, wait a second. Every time I started to feel flatline or, or just like there was this void that needed to be filled. My first response was to try to change my circumstances. Like, oh, if I could just get a new job or if I could just fix that relationship, or if I could just get that kid to shape up, or if I could just fill in the blank right? That's what we start to do. Well, if I could just fix that trial or fix that problem, I wouldn't feel this deadness. That's what's causing it. And again, those things aren't easy to deal with, but I don't think we ever go one layer deeper and go, wait a second, maybe it's more than the weather and my boss and my stress. Maybe this is actually what it feels like to be spiritually dead. And the scriptures say, you know, honestly, There's nothing we can do about that on our own. No matter how much you change your circumstances, if it's coming from that root cause of this is what spiritual death feels like, then you're going to get the new job or build the new house or get the raise or whatever. And then you're going to go, it didn't go away. I don't feel any better. I can't, I just can't seem to shake this because we're not looking at, wait a second, this is because of the fall. This is what happened when I sinned and ate my own forbidden fruit. I mean, God said flat out, men are lost forever and they become fallen man. And and sometimes I think we don't go, oh, wait a second. This is what it feels like. This isn't fun at all, right? This isn't fun at all. So I think when we start to, to at least give it a root cause, spiritual root cause. Now, I'm not saying there aren't sometimes other factors I went through a deep depression um, for several years that actually the Lord had me make some lifestyle changes and I changed the way I ate and things like that. And it really did change um, that he healed that depression, which is what I do in my online platform. I talk a lot about that. So I'm not saying there aren't other causes, 
And I'm not saying that we can't feel those things because of what we're going through, but I'm just trying to introduce the idea that, that we never go, wait a second, where is this coming from in a spiritual lens? Because once we do that, then we really can dive into the scriptures and go, well, okay, if this is from the fall, then what's the answer? Is there a spiritual answer for me? I, yes, we have therapists and we have practitioners and we have medical help and we have a lot of books that try to help us when we're feeling this way. But sometimes I think we forget that God's like, I have an answer to the fall. And if you realize that's where it's coming from, then maybe we can turn and look in the scriptures and find a better answer. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think the other thing we do, um, <laughs> at least I'll, I'll put it on me, Richard. I won't say we, but I'm sure I'm not alone. Is when I'm starting to feel this way, not only do I blame my circumstances, but I start to self-medicate. I start to find something that will help me feel alive again something that will get me out of that deadness, whether it's a hobby or, you know, uh, I did it with food. It, it can be, it was funny. Um, sorry, this is a little tangent, but did you hear? So president Nelson said something very intriguing in his talk in conference just a few days ago, he was talking about a list of obsessions and addictions, and he was listing a whole bunch of things and talking about how we turn to those things instead of Christ for our soulless and they become our God. And he, at the end of his list, he said, even food. <laughs> and I, I had friends and family messaging me. They're like, did you hear that? Because that's what I do on my platform. I talk a lot about how I turn to food to make me feel alive and to fix the deadness and to fill the inner void. That was one of them. I had other things, but we, we look for escapes to help escape it and, and lift us out of it. It's understandable because it's hard to be spiritually dead and we don't understand what's going on. So we're just looking for a little relief. So we self-medicate a lot and just disappear into our favorite things to just, I mean, isn't that kind of what when we're scrolling on our phone or whatever, we forget about the numbness and we forget about the misery we're going through and we can just disappear into those things. So we have temporary fixes, but we've never, I don't think we've never, at least I had never found something that fixed it long-term. It just would keep coming back. So any thoughts before, I don't want to keep launching (laughs) my next thing. It's very helpful. Keep sharing. Okay. So here's what I want to do with this podcast is I want to share a story. And, and this was a light bulb moment for me. Once I had been really studying the fall and really starting to process and say, okay, I, I have not understood how deep this goes for me personally. I have not understood that it's a contributor to a lot of my pain and a lot of my misery and a lot of my inner struggle, not just outer, not just my body being mortal, but my spiritual death, that's a thing. And I've got to look at it. So I really was studying it. I've I've been studying this for a long time, but I had a moment that just, it was a game changer for me, Richard. It it changed everything. I'm going to try really hard not to get emotional. I promised myself I'm going to try to... But I want to tell this story to kind of share that the, that the Lord has a mind-blowing answer to address the spiritual death that we all go through. We know resurrection addresses the temporal, temporal death, right? We know that because of the fall, we're all going to die. And we know that he has granted us the gift of resurrection. So we understand the fix for temporal death pretty well in the church. But his, his answer for spiritual death, I want to provide a perspective 
that rocked my world when I read it. Um, that comes straight out of the scriptures. It happened many years ago. I was the, um, again, a Sunday school teacher, but it was like the 16 to 18 year olds. And those kids were smart. They, they were, I, I had to bring my A game. Like they were, it was my oldest child was in that class and he's now 32. So that tells you how long ago this was. But um, I was studying the New Testament that year for this class. And so I was diving in. Like I wanted to be prepared for these kids and really give them food, like spiritual food. So as I was studying the New Testament, I really was um, drawn over and over back to the book of John. For some reason, I just kept returning to John and, and ended up studying those chapters, just different things again and again. And before long, I noticed a theme popping up, like running throughout the entire book. So this was pre like scriptures on your phone. This is back in the <laughs> old school scripture days where I grabbed a green pen. I've never, I'd never used a green one before. And I thought, okay, I'm going to start in the beginning of John and, and go through John and see where this theme is. And by the time I was done, I just went through each chapter and only marked the theme in green. And it literally was in almost every chapter. So let me read you just a few scriptures. This isn't all of them. This is just just a few from the book of John and you'll, you'll pick up the theme. The listeners will pick up the theme really quick. So, um, John three 36, he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life. John five 24, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. John five 40. And you will not come to me that ye might have life. John six 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. John 6, 47, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I'll do two more. John 10, um, he, my sheep hear my voice and I give unto them eternal life. And then John 10, 10, I am come that they might have life. So you can see it pretty quick, right? We, we know, yes, eternal everlasting life is found in Christ. So as I, I noticed that theme, I thought, yes, I believe that. That is not news to me. That is very cool that John is trying to teach this. I love that I saw that theme, but I didn't really think much more about it at the time because I thought I understood what John was trying to say. Yes, yes, everlasting life, that we will live with God forever after we die. That everlasting life that we talk about in the church so much. Then one day, as I was going through this, there was a morning when I was, and this is when my kids were all still at home. They're all gone now, but there was a morning when I was getting them out the door and that's when I did my scripture study is right after they'd left. And, and I almost felt for the lack of a better word, like this excitement from the Lord, like this is going to be cool. Go open your scriptures. I know that sounds weird, but it was this, we're going to have some fun today in scripture study. And I thought, Oh, cool. Okay. So I get into the new Testament again and I open it up. And this time I was led to another um, chapter in John, only this time it was the epistles, the first epistle of John. So it was still the same apostles writings, but it wasn't his book. It was the first epistle. And it's a, a simple little verse in chapter three that I don't think we ever noticed. I had never even seen it. I, I didn't know it was there when I read it. I was like, but it was just this little verse that I could feel this direction from the Lord. Like, okay, verse 15, verse 15, check this out. And in this verse, John is talking about those that are filled with hatred, but he says something in the end of this verse that blew my mind. So in first John three, and if, if you're listening and you can, 
and you can keep listening to the podcast and open your scriptures. Can't, can't you do that on your phone? I think most of our phones will do that. Like leave the podcast playing and then open your scriptures. I'd love it if you'd go read this with me because seeing it sometimes it processes, at least for me, it helps me process better. So this is first John three, verse 15. And, and John starts out and he says, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, which is, yeah, okay. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. That's how he finishes it. I, I'm not as concerned about the murderer part. I understand where he's going with that, but it's the end of the verse I'm, I'm looking at. So whoever hates your brother, you're seen as a murderer, but he says, no murderer has eternal life. And this is the phrase he uses, abiding in him, in him. And Richard, that it, I was like, wait, in him? Like, I always saw eternal life as something after I die. Like, it, it's the celestial kingdom. It's the reward later. What is this in him thing? And so I was so intrigued. I started going back to the book of John and all the stuff that I'd marked in green. And suddenly I began to see other places. Like there's a place in, in John six where Christ himself talks about this life being in you, inside you. So I just kept studying because I wasn't quite sure to, what to make of it. It was so different. I'd never thought of eternal life as something in me. So I next, um, as I was reading, I'm studying more verses specifically on eternal life. I began to notice that often in John's book, throughout the book of John, he would use, he would say things like, um, let me look, I have it right here. He that believeth on the son hath, hath everlasting life, like H-A-T-H, like you have it, not you will have it. You'd think he'd say, whoever believeth on the sun will have everlasting life after they die in the next world. If that's the meaning of eternal life, you'd think he'd say that, but over and over, he kept using the word half, like you have it. And so I looked up the Greek. It's really fun to look at the Greek original word in the new Testament. And that, that Greek word is literally the present tense of the verb, which means to have something or possess something. So my mind is starting to go, wait a second. It, it almost seemed to be like a dual meaning to everlasting life. And I'm going to, I promise you, I'm going to show you several verses and some quotes to back this up. This isn't just me. I, I, I was processing it. If your mind's going, wait a second, let me, I promise I have more. I have more to kind of back this up, but think just for a minute about the potential, because if we're spiritually dead, this is talking about a life inside us that's everlasting never ending, perpetual, ceaseless. Think about all those synonyms. Eternal or everlasting just means ongoing, right? Not stopping. And suddenly I was like, wait a second. It, it almost seemed like he's talking about life in you that doesn't end. Because I, I had felt him light my flame before. That's why I was a member of the church. Like I had felt him that warmth, that light that can enter you, enter your heart because of Christ. But it never lasted. Like it was, it was wonderful, but I would always end up in that dark place again before long, or just life being what it was. I had felt snippets of it or, or I'd felt it occasionally and it was good. But this suddenly my mind was like, wait, like a type of life that's everlasting that, that never ends. So let me, let me show you a couple more scriptures. And, and we'll grapple with this a little bit because it's a new idea. But 
what I did next was I was like, okay, if this is in the book of John, then it's got to be in other places in scripture. If this is a true concept, it's got to be other places. And, and so I started diving into the standard works, like where, where else is this? Cause is this a thing? And, and I wanted to know more. So as I began studying, yes, often you read scriptures and everlasting life or eternal life does mean life forever with God after we die. So absolutely. That's totally the meaning in many of the verses. That's the context. Let me, but let me read you a book or a verse from the book of Mormon. And this was, I, oh, sorry, I'm getting worked up. This was, this was the coolest thing to me. This verse, I've read it so many times. And yet he showed it to me in the context of these thoughts. When I was thinking about life abiding in me and life being in me, all of a sudden I was like, wait, wait, this is in the book of Mormon too. So, so it's in um, Ammon's story. So if you go to Alma 19, a lot of us know this story well too. Ammon is teaching the Lamanites the gospel. And uh, he has taught this young king named Lamoni who knows nothing about Jesus or the plan or anything. And Lamoni is so moved by Ammon's teaching that he cries out to God and says, have mercy on me. And he actually falls unconscious. If, if you're new to the gospel and haven't heard Ammon's story, this, this person that he's teaching, he's a king, he completely goes down <laughs> and he's unconscious. He's so powerfully impacted by Ammon's message. But then there's this verse in Alma 19 that talks about what's happening to Lamoni while he's unconscious. So again, if you're listening to this um, and you want to open your scriptures and read it with me, because looking at, at this verse I just, uh, it, it left me speechless the first time I saw it. This is Alma 19, verse six. And it says, for King Lamoni was under the power of God. The dark veil of unbelief was being cast away from his mind. And the light, which did light up his mind, which was the light of the glory of God, which was a marvelous light of his goodness. Yea, this light had infused such joy into his soul the cloud of darkness having been dispelled, here it comes, here it comes. And that the light of everlasting life was lit up in his soul. Mm -hmm. it, it's the same thing, isn't it? I was like, what? That's not everlasting life after we die. This is something totally different. It says in this verse that as Lamoni is, is there being changed and transformed by God, it uses the word light five times in that verse. But it says the light of everlasting life. It doesn't just say God's light. It says the light of everlasting life was lit up in his soul. And he was so changed that he was never the same again. He stayed converted and transformed after this. He was lit up by the light of everlasting life. Isn't that cool? It's really cool. I, I just, after I saw that verse and after everything I'd read from John, I was like, this is a thing. So I kept studying it. And I kept just trying to look for more evidence of this because it was such a new idea to me to have life in me. I was sitting in Relief Society. Um, this again was years ago when we were studying. Do you remember the manuals that were like the teachings of the prophets and yeah. we do a different prophet every year? Yeah. Those that are young will not remember that, but we were doing Joseph Smith one year. And again, I had just been like, this was fresh when I was studying this at home. I hadn't really talked to anybody about it. I was just studying it like, what is this? And I was sitting in Relief Society, opened my little manual, back when we use hard copies, and I'm scanning the page. And they had a prayer from Joseph. 
listed on the page. I'm going to read it to you. And so if you want to look it up, it's, it's in that, it's in that teachings of the, of the prophet Joseph Smith, but this is, listen to this simple little prayer. And again, it's more evidence for what we're talking about. He says, Oh, thou who seest and knowest the hearts of all men, look down upon thy servant, Joseph at this time. Sorry, I get so emotional. I'm t- I promised I wouldn't. Okay. Look down upon thy servant, Joseph at this time and let the lamp. Whew, okay. Let the lamp of eternal life be lit up in his heart, never to be taken away. So Joseph understood this. He's asking God, light, light up my heart, ignite my heart, like light me up with the lamp of everlasting life, never to be taken away. I almost jumped out of my chair in the Leaf Society when I read that. I was like, wait, that goes with everything I'm studying. That's the same thing. It's the same thing John is talking about. It's the same thing in Alma 19, that everlasting life can live inside you. It can be lit up inside you through Christ. Um, and, then, and then here's a modern day reference from, it was Elder Uchtdorf. This was 2017. Again, listening to conference. I've been processing this idea for several years. And this was October 2017 in Elder Uchtdorf's message. And, and it's a simple sentence, but he says the same thing, Richard. He says, it is our quest to seek the Lord until his light of everlasting life burns brightly within us. So I just began to get evidence like everywhere, seeing it, begin to see it, that it is dual, that it's, yes, it's still life with God after we die. I'm not, I'm not trying to change that. That's everywhere in the scriptures. Eternal life means living forever with him. But suddenly there became this um, evidence popping up everywhere that said, you can have this light inside you. Christ can light this lamp inside you and he can do it in a way that's everlasting. It's not just come and go. Like you'll feel it for a day and then it'll fade and you're back to feeling dead inside, feeling that, that flat line feeling we were talking about. This is something different. This is Christ saying, I, I can... I can overcome your spiritual death while you still live in mortality. You don't have to wait till the next life. I can do it right now. As you come to me, you can be spiritually reborn through me. And then all this misery that you've had from your spiritual death, it's over. You'll be lit up like Lamonia was, or like John was, or like Joseph asked for. You can be lit up with this light of everlasting life. Pretty, it's pretty cool, isn't it? It's really cool. I love how you take something that we just usually think of as in the future um, and bring that into mortality so it can bless our life now. Really powerful. Keep sharing. Oh, I yeah, that's how I felt exactly, Richard, because it's I'm so grateful for the rewards in the next life that they're coming. But we're suffering here and now we're struggling because of the fall and we're going through really difficult things. And and suddenly the scriptures in neon were starting to tell me. No, you can have this lamp lit inside your heart. I saw it. The, the woman in the well story tells the same thing. And we know that story so well. And she was, she was like, kind of like, not even sure why he was talking to her because she was a Samaritan. And, and he's sitting there at the well with her. And he says to her, oh, I want to find it. He says, the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up to everlasting life. So we see it. We start to see it everywhere. But if you're like me, here's the next question. <laughs> so once I started to go, okay, 
And, and if you're listening to this, a listener, and you're going, wait a second, I can't even wrap my brain around this. I go way deeper to it, into this in the book. We really unpack this. And I have um, study questions at the end of every chapter where you can take it deeper. I have lots and lots of scriptures. I have the references to all these quotes that I'm using. So if you're one that's going, ah, I need to go study this for myself. That's what we do in my book, Ignited, is, is we really look at this um, from every angle. But the next question for me was, okay, if this is a thing and if everlasting life can be lit up in my heart, how do I get it? Like how, how? I I wanted to, I didn't just want to read about Joseph asking for it and Lamoni asking for it and getting it. I wanted to know, okay, then this is available for me. So what do I do? And, and a lot of times I think our first reaction is, well, I guess I have to work harder at the religious checklist then, right? Like, I guess I better go to the temple more and I better be in my scriptures more and I better, I better be doing the thing and work harder. And maybe then I can have it. Maybe then I can earn it. Right. That's, that's sometimes how we look. Well, I'll just dive in. I'll do more. I'll do more. So, so as I started reading, cause I started studying with that question in mind, all right, then how, how do I get it? Cause I've been a church girl my whole life. Like I've been going to church. I've been Temple, I've been going to the temple. I've been doing the thing. I've been reading my scriptures and I haven't tasted this. So what, what more, like, how do you get it then? If, if everything I've done, I still haven't tasted it. I just couldn't understand that. So I started again, studying with the intent of that question being answered. So, all right. So how, if, if I'm starting to understand that this is a thing that his life can be lit up inside of me, how does it happen? So I think the best first we could go to that answered it for me the best is John 17 that we know really well. And again, if you're listening and you want to open to John 17, this is the um, intercessory prayer that Christ offers right before his, his crucifixion. And, and so let me read just verses one through three, because I think this is like the key to shift our path a little bit. If we want to go after this and go, okay, I want this. I want this light of everlasting life. I think it's a different path than we may assume that will get us there. He says in John 17, verse one, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. So Christ is talking right in this prayer about how he can give us eternal life. But then in verse three, we've, we can't miss this. This is what he says. And we've read it a thousand times, most of us. He says, this is life eternal. And he doesn't say that you can live forever with God after you die. He doesn't define it that way. He says, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom that has sent. Life eternal is knowing Christ, knowing the Father. And really, we only know the Father through Christ. So I like to to hone in on coming first to know Christ. It's not the religious checklist, although although the things on the list can help us know Christ. But I started to realize I can do the religious checklist my whole life and never come to know Christ. I can go through the motions of all the religious stuff that I was first going, okay, I got to work harder. If I want this, this light inside me, this life inside me, I've got to work harder but you think about like the Pharisees, they did the checklist for, with perfection. 
They knew the scriptures inside and out. They were in the synagogue all the time. They they dressed perfect and ate perfect and didn't come near any Gentiles. And they were as, you know, quote unquote, clean as you can get, religious as you can get. But then he shows up on the scene and they kill him. They don't know him at all. So suddenly with this verse, I was like, all right, that puts me on a different path. Because my goal now is not just to be more religious in order to earn some gift of eternal life. It's to know Christ. It's to come not know about him. There's a difference between knowing him and knowing about him. Like you think about it, you can know about a celebrity. You can know about where they were born and what food they love and who they're married to. You can know all the things, but it's not like knowing them. It's totally different to know them. And so this is, this is knowing a person. This isn't checking a list. He's saying, this is life eternal. This is how it's lit up in your soul. You got to come to know me. And, and that's when I realized, Richard, like I was in my 30s. I mean, I'm 52 now. This has been a long time. <laughs> but I was in my 30s going, I have been active in the church my whole life. And I don't know that I can say that I know, know him. Like I can say I know a lot about him, a lot about him. And I'm very grateful for him. It's not like I didn't have love and, and respect and awe and wonder over who he was. But I don't know that I could have said as I was studying this, that I knew him personally, the way that we know our intimate family members, right? And I knew his voice and he, he was, there was a relationship there. So, so that, that kind of shifted things. Then all of a sudden reading my scriptures wasn't just so I could check it off the list and, and pat myself on the back for being such a good person that I read my scriptures that day. Suddenly it was, this book is him. It's, it's about him. How, what can, how can I hear him? Like President Monson has told us, hear him. How can I begin to come to know him? Um, I even have, I wasn't going to, I actually didn't plan on, on sharing this at all, but maybe I will. You have this effect over me, Richard. You just have this kind look on your face, like, go, let's just share. <laughs> but I'm going to go in a direction I wasn't going to go. And it's in the book. So I think my biggest roadblock with coming to know Christ was as we look at like our relationship with him, I, I didn't know, can you talk to him? Could I reach out to him? Because I felt like the scriptures say, pray to the father, right? And so how do you come to know somebody? I, I wanted to talk to him. It's like, I want to ask him questions and I want to come knowing someone for me means opening a dialogue and talking to him. And, and, but at first it felt like our culture kind of isn't so sure about that, right? We're like, I, we're not very, we don't really talk in our church culture about communicating with Jesus. We talk about communicating with the father, but this, everything I was reading was, was the Lord saying, come to know me. And so I, I hit a roadblock there where I was like, but I want to talk to him. Is that okay? Or am I like veering off here into unknown territory? Because so here's what I did next. I, I really started studying the scriptures to see if I could find evidence that that was okay. I hate that. It's weird that in a church called by his name that I would even hesitate to talk to him. Isn't that odd that I would feel that way? But it it felt like I needed to resolve that because so often the prayer, the scriptures say, pray unto the father, 
in the name of Christ. But I, it's not like I wanted to stop praying to the Father. I love that. That's family prayer and life prayer. But I, I wanted to have a relationship enough that I could talk to Christ, not just hear from him, but that I could communicate with him. So I started diving in. And Richard, I found over 50 verses. Wow. 50 verses. And I have them on a website. If if you want to look right now, it's on my favorites page on my website. If you go to my favorites page and then scroll all the way to the bottom, I have a link that you can click on that that has all my evidence. Because I I couldn't um, move forward the way I wanted to with coming to really know him until I resolved that. And I started to find all kinds of verses, especially in the Doctrine and Covenants, where he would say things like pray unto me and inquire of me and ask of me. Phrases like that, where it shows that it's Christ speaking. And then in the next verse, he says, ask of me. And suddenly I began to go, oh, this is in scripture. He's inviting us to, to ask of me. I even found quotes from the brethren that, that I found one from Brigham Young. It's again, it's on that page. End of it. Go to my favorites page, go to the very bottom and click on the link. I found a quote from Brigham Young that says, open and keep open a course of communication with your savior. So to me, I was, I was seeing enough evidence that it's like, wait a second. I think our culture has missed, missed this a little bit. Maybe not everybody, but we don't really talk like we can talk to Jesus. And I think it's a big miss because it's scriptural. And I, that's why I put it on a website. So everybody wouldn't go, JC, you're crazy. <laughs> I, I, I don't think we can have the kind of relationship we need to have with him unless we can talk to him you know, and begin to hear his voice and have him guide us directly. All of a sudden I was seeing it all over the book of Mormon, all over the doctrine and covenants where he would, it showed a one-on-one conversation between a servant and, and Jesus, not, not God. It was Jesus. And I started to see it over and over the scriptures that would say, Lord, da, 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 and they would ask him things or, and, and so suddenly after reading through that, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm comfortable scripturally going in this direction so that I can pursue this relationship with him. And Richard, that's when everything began to change for me. Wow. I mean, like I said, I'd been a church girl my whole life. I'd done the thing. I'd done the checklist, but I hadn't sought Christ like that. And when I began to do that, suddenly that light that, that John talks about, that we've been talking about that light of everlasting life. Suddenly there was this flame that just started to burn as, in me as I became not just to know him, but to learn how to abide in him and to, to be close to him all the time. I, the other key thing, I think the, the first one comes from John 17 that says, this is life eternal that you'll know me. But the second thing that, that he kind of called me out on, it said, the second thing you need to do, JC, if you really want this, is you've got to turn from the things that you're running to to make you feel alive. All these other counterfeits, and our world has a million counterfeits where you're running to self-medicate, the things you're running to. And like I said earlier, one of mine was food, but I had many other things. Like we could have fiction, binge watching, Netflix, we whatever it is that we're like, ooh, I am just, I'm done. I need, I need to be restored and renewed and we run to these other things. And again, no judgment for me because I've done it. Uh, but he started to say, the reason your soul has never been truly lit up the way these scriptures are, de- are describing is because you are running to the wrong source. You're running to things. The food can fill you for a minute. It tastes good. You know, it gives you a little rush. 
the whatever the big screen epic movie that we go to or the your romantic relationship or what there's a million things we can run to and and they can lift us up and they can make us feel alive again for a little while but none of them are everlasting none of them feel it long term they just numb us for a little while and so he began to show me the many different things i was running to to find life in my spiritual death I was, I was running to, to try to get that void filled. And I didn't call it that. I didn't walk in the kitchen in the morning and say, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting my, I need chocolate. I need my void filled. I didn't say it like that. I just, I would joke about my sweet tooth, but what I was doing was not just about the taste of the food. It was about a deeper, deeper, um, just, I needed more. And I was trying to fill the inner void with the food or whatever else I was reaching for. And so he kind of called me out on that and said, you know, it is like President Nelson said in conference, these things become your gods. And until you learn the only source is me for this life, yes, you can have everlasting life. I can light it up inside you. Sorry, like a Christmas tree. Like I can light you up in a way that you've never experienced. But as long as you try to have the food in one hand or all my favorite escapes in one hand and him in the other hand. I was trying to do both, right? I was trying to hold on to my favorite coping mechanisms. And, and he said, you've either got to be all in <laughs> or, or if you keep reaching for those counterfeits, it's like him, him spreading out a feast before us, but we're sitting at the table eating junk food out of our, our purse. Like I'm, I'm just eating Twinkies out of my purse, even though the feast lays before me. And he was like, okay, yes, you can have the feast. It's right here. And I just showed it to you in scripture. You can have everlasting life lit up inside you, but you've got to, you've got to put down the junk food that you've been running to, to feel alive and, and let me be your only God. Let me be your deliverer. So that's what this book was about for me was outlining this journey because that was actually kind of hard because some of those things I was very attached to. They had fed my soul for a long time. When I was having a bad day, the ice cream in the freezer was my best friend. And for him to say, no, if you really want this, you got to come to me with your whole heart. You got to give me the whole thing. It was hard to kind of break that attachment and, and know what that meant and what did it mean to abide in him? What did it mean to have him with me? And that was, that was not a, a quick journey. That was many years of going, okay, what does this relationship look like? I can't see you. I can't hear you. Well, I've learned to hear him, but it's not like he's standing there like my husband. I had to learn to know someone spiritually and, and it was, it was a journey. So that in a nutshell, <laughs> is what, why I wrote this book and why I've been working on it for 15 years, because I've been chewing on this and studying this and really processing it and going on the journey myself. And, and I think once we begin to understand what's possible through Christ, when he says you can be made alive in me, second Nephi 25, be made alive in Christ. I don't think I, I really understood what that meant until this study. Until really going, wait a second, internally in my heart, I can be made alive in a way that's everlasting, that's eternal, that can stay. It's a pretty beautiful concept, isn't it? It is. So oh. I think I've hit on most of the ideas. Let me check my notes and make sure that I didn't jump past. Um, 
I don't know. I think we're kind of there. I can go over a few more scriptures if you if you think that would help. But if you have any questions, we can chat a little bit about it. I went I went crazy there for a minute and just. <laughs> well, just some comments. Um, listeners, I think JC has this ability to take kind of the theoretical of our doctrine and um, make it apply in our lives now by sharing your own story and your own um, journey through scripture study to understand these principles and how to apply them in our lives. And I love this um, angle that you take that's doctrinally sound where you take the future, eternal life, and recognize that can be now. And that doesn't change the future, but it brings all of our teachings um, to help us now. So I think that's one of your gifts. Um, I love, you know, your awareness where we need to turn to Christ and have a relationship with him. And he's our savior. He's our older brother. And um, listeners, I've tried to use less generic terms like Lord. I think most Latter-day Saints would think Lord return, refers to Jesus Christ. Yes, and God yes. Return, refers to Heavenly Father, but I've tried to kind of think about, you know, the differences of these um, of our Godhead, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Mother, and Jesus, yeah. and um, the Holy Ghost, and try to use, in my mind, just personally, who I'm talking about instead of these more umbrella terms, because for me, it personalizes the relationship more and under, better understands their unique role in our lives and they all want to be involved in our lives. And that's think, it. Exactly. I love that. That personalize it. That's it. So, you know, this, the savior has different roles in our life. Um, you know, he heals our heart or, or, you know, but our heavenly parents created us. We pray to heavenly father, but we have heavenly parents that love us and created us and are both equal, you know, in our life and love us. And I love just what you're doing. I also love, you know, this pattern where when you want to learn something or get curious, you turn to the scriptures, and um, that's a great formula. And for me, scripture study, sometimes the words itself, as you pointed out, open new thoughts in my mind. But sometimes when I'm reading words, I'll have a compre- an impression that's not associated at all with the words I'm reading. And sometimes for me, that's just scripture study is just a conduit to receive inspiration. And so um, I love it. I love scripture study, but, and I love this idea that, you know, sometimes we, you know, we want to know what's required of us. So we go to checklists and some of our culture as young men, young women are kind of checklist focused because they're milestone movements. And, and those are, those are all great. But sometimes we get into that mindset is, you know, it's a checklist. And I love the way you haven't given up the checklist, but you've tried to teach us the principles behind the checklist and how um, that's the thing that brings us closer to God, to Heavenly Father (laughs) and to Jesus. And so um, listeners, this is um, JC's fourth book, but it's the first one she started. She mentioned 15 years. I started this one in 2008. And I'll tell you what, Richard, I was not a good writer back then. I have had dear friends and mentors that have helped me hone it along. I'm I'm still, I don't know that I'm that much better, but it's definitely come a long way. But I started this and because all these things were burning in me, all these things I was studying, I never thought I'd be a writer. That was never like 
the goal. I just suddenly had a binder full of all these connections that I was making. And I went, wait a second, there's a story here. There's a story. And so in the book Ignited, we use the Adam and Eve story to walk us through the journey of coming to what it means to be lit up with everlasting life. And, and we use the fig leaves that they cover themselves with and that the, they run into the trees to hide themselves and all the th- different elements of the story. We kind of tweak and look at in a new way and personalize because there's some baggage that needs to be shed uh, in, in this process of coming to Christ. Of course there is. That's what repentance is about. But it, it, I was surprised at the the depth of my own baggage because of the fall. I think I would have told you, no, I'm a pretty good person. You know, I'm I'm temple worthy. I'm da, 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 and I do all the checklists. But but once the Lord began going, okay, but what about this? And then what about this? And what about the layers? Kind of felt like an onion, like oh, and that goes deeper and deeper. And He began to really um, uncover things in me that were the very lies I was believing just things that were causing the misery in the first place. It wasn't that he was just trying to shake his finger at me. It was JC, let me show you the things that are holding you back and the lies you're believing and the, the false, um, just perspectives and mindsets and paradigms that have come because of living in a fallen world. And so we really unpack that and ignite it. We really um, strip away those layers so that we become more and more free to be lit up. We're not clouded with all these worldly, um, just all the things that that the adversary puts in our head or others put in our head. And we just get so blocked and so stopped. And I I just think Christ wants to set us free, but it kind of takes a journey. It takes a journey. Um, Listeners, check out Ignited. We'll link to it in the show notes. We'll link to JC's website. So you can check out, she has a podcast. She's a... um, a faith-based wellness coach. Um, check out yeah, other YouTube books and channel other works. I've been working on. So there's a lot of resources on my website to kind of, if you connected with the food thing, especially, I'll just say that. But also I do a lot of work with body image and emotionally, you know, I'll, you can check that out. But for sure, thank you, Richard. This has been an absolute pleasure. You're great, JC, and you're doing great work in our community and beyond. And your voice is so needed. And I'm honored to have you on the podcast. So. Um, listeners, this is J.C. Whiteman and Richard Osler signing off for another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. <laughs>